Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha Cook, and we have a great show today. Um, we're talking about writing crime, and we, my special guest is Ron Francel. And I will just tell you a few little details about the show, and then we'll just move on because Ron is quite interesting, which you'll find out when you when you hear what he has to say. Uh, we're going to talk also about his new book, Allison Gerald. So it's it, it, there's I have so many little notes here, which everybody knows I'd never have questions, but I have like a lot of notes for writers that what would want to know, and so I think this show is going to be really interesting. Uh, Virginia Grenier, um, the and I started ten years ago or eleven years ago, and so she left for a couple years. And she's, I think she's going to, I talked to her last night, she wants to start doing shows, and I said to her, I'm not going to say you're coming on if you don't, because I keep saying she's coming on, but actually we are going to do a show. She wants to talk about Game of Thrones, and um, from books to movies, which everybody knows I love, because I have all these screenplays that I have out there, which I'm now writing as books so they don't sit in drawers. And um, so we're going to have that kind of a show. I have... I really haven't been watching Game of Thrones, but I have it taped. I only have this season taped, because I'm certainly not going to be watching like all these seasons. But we're going to talk about that because that's her thing, um, Game of Thrones. She talked about it for years when we were doing shows together, and so I think we're going to have that show. It'll be later in the evening, probably like 9 or 10, and it'll be on demand afterwards. And so um, I think that's – and Elizabeth Black is going to have a couple shows with me in June, but I think we'll be off for a couple of weeks. Not we, me, and <laughs> see what happens. And uh, I'll still be out there posting, but I want to finish my new book. And so we're going to get on with the show, and we're going to talk to Ron, and he's going to tell you a little bit about himself, and then we're going to just talk about writing and every. He's quite interesting. Hi, Ron. How are you? Hello, Marcia. Hi. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. I heard you on yeah. Fran's show. And then Fran emailed me. She says, "Would you like him as a guest?" I go, "Yes, <laughs> yes, I would." That's and nice. so, you know, well, I, you know, I listen to all our shows. Fran and I have done shows together and been friends for ten years since we're all doing shows, you know. And but uh, when I was listening to you, I knew you had a lot more to tell just about everything you know in writing. So we will talk about that as soon as you talk a little bit about your new book. Well, uh, Allison Gerald, A Homicidal Love Story, is a true crime. 
Uh, it happens in Wyoming in the 1970s. Uh, it's a very alien place to most of America. Uh, Wyoming might as well be a crater on the moon to most <laughs> of America. Um, and, and, and the story itself is about a couple who uh, separately and together murder at least four people, probably five as I say in the book, um, and then lived happily ever after. I know, uh, which is amazing it, as that, yes. It, it really is. <laughs> Um, so it, quite a couple, know, about, quite a couple. It, it, quite they a are, couple. they are, um, a, a, a startlingly bad Ugh. couple, yeah, uh, yeah. a match made in hell, if you will. Yeah, that's, that's a good um, way to put it. You know, it's like, it's like after reading the book and I'm reading about, about you, I'm going, oh my God, you know, when you're really reading this and this is a true story, you're just going like, oh, there are people like that in the world out there. And it, what what I found interesting is all of a sudden I, when I'm reading the book, I said I have to find out. I was looking up Wyoming. I'm looking up all these things because you're right. I mean, most people don't know much about Wyoming. But it is, you know, what I noticed is how big it is, you know, and it's sparse. Of, there's not as many people as people, you know, how large it is. But you could see where there could be things happening there that nobody would know about. There's so much open Absolutely. land. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you from and, there and or you just live there? Do you live there or are you from there? I I live in Texas right now, but I grew but you're up from in Wyoming. Wyoming and, yeah. Yeah, and I I know this landscape. I I lived there. I lived it. Uh, I I lived there at the time these Crimes were happening. Of course, nobody knows about them at the time. Right. Uh, during the summers, I, I worked in construction. I worked in the oil fields as a kid, you know, a high school kid. Um, and I worked with these kinds of people. And I worked in these kinds of places that I described. So I know this landscape and this mindscape intimately. Which is probably why, if when you're reading the book, whoever the reader is wants to hear more about like Wyoming also because like you don't really know you hear like I'm from Chicago you know you hear about Chicago New York you hear about Texas you know a lot you know Pennsylvania you hear about a lot of things but you don't hear about Wyoming at all yeah and it's a that makes it uh, uncharted territory for most yes. true crime writers and and so that's I like that backdrop this is my 17th book yeah, um, I know that. I haven't Oof. I haven't written all those books about Wyoming, but but no, my no. very first true crime was about a, a Wyoming crime, and now here my latest one is too, and and it's been good to me in that in that sense. But you know, talking a little bit about what you mentioned, uh, that landscape kind of plays a role in this book, almost like a human character, because yeah. it it's. It's a kind of conspirator in these yeah. in these crimes. It it, it doesn't only give um, a place for these characters to hide their behavior. It obviously gives them a place to hide their bodies. Yes. And yes. Uh, and that's one of the things that frustrated uh, you know forty years of detectives. This kind of long succession of detectives uh, was just finding a body. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the place itself is more important in a story like this. Because you're basically a journalist. You know, I, I really, you know, I think when, you know, a journalist writes a book, it's a different type of book. And it's always so interesting because you're right there because that's how you learned to write. And you're, you, whenever someone's reading something from a person that's written in a newspaper, whatever, they, you can really get into the story because you really do know how to describe it. Because when they, you know, years ago, I was saying this, I think, last week, because when you, you know, learn journalism or you're doing fiction, it is, I think, these days, it's good to interweave things like that because it makes the people who are reading the book so much more interested in the book. It's I, not I think just, you're right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what I felt I, reading I think this. you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and, and, yeah, I, I was a journalist. And yes. um, for 30-something for years, I, I was out there. Now, I'll say I was an old-school journalist. I, I was yeah. – I came up in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s uh, when journalism was different than it is today. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, at the time, we believed in going out there and getting our boots on the ground and looking right. people in the eye and doing interviews there and touching things and smelling things. And that was important to the story. Today, uh, technology has given journalists some tools that let them sit in in their uh, newsroom or maybe in their basement uh, and do interviews, uh, uh, maybe on the phone, but sometimes on email, uh, maybe on Twitter. But those it's different. I, it's moves, different. I think when you're hands yeah, exactly. on, there's a big difference. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Because you get a feel and for it. For a book you, like this. Yes. Yes, you and do. You get a feel you, for it. And I was listening to some of the YouTubes that you were on, and that that I, can't, I have to write the, the name of it. It's the Mystery House of Mystery. Oh, I never heard of that, and it was so interesting. The House of Mystery that you did an interview yes. with, and this, that was really good. I mean, that's a uh, you know the music was kind of creepy and then they put something else that, you know, it's like, you know, a little lighter music, but it was, he asked great questions and it's, it's so different. You know, when you're hearing interviews like that also, you know, it's TV. Yeah. I am a avid TV watcher and I love movies. However, there is something about a one-on-one conversation that really gets, like that, that's why I like doing the shows because after all these years of nine years of shows, you really get to know people not only because I feel like when I have guests on, it's not just about what they write. I like to know about them, not everything they did when they were one years old. You know, I just like to know how they write and how they feel about things. And, you know, when you're lucky enough to have a writer like you on, you know, because you've had a lot of experience and you have been hands on. You know, nine eleven. You you know, you were mentioning that, and th- that helps you, don't you think? So much. I mean, all of what you've had to go through to be a journalist, a good one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, back in the day, I hate to sound like I'm. Elderly, we don't. We don't but, do We never do uh, ages here. We just kind of talk. <laughs> no ages. But uh, back in the day. The, the more life experience you accumulated, 
uh, the deeper your thinking process was going to be, the the more you knew what to look for, to, yeah. to know what was important and what wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I've had some experiences in my life sometimes that I put myself in the position to have, and sometimes yeah. when I didn't. Uh, I I was dispatched by my newspaper, the Denver Post, to right after days after 9/11, yeah. to cover cover the war on terror in the Middle East. Uh, so I was there in the early days of the bombing campaign against Afghanistan, and my job was to get into as many Arab and Muslim capitals and countries as I possibly could and ask those questions that we were all asking ourselves back then. And uh, that, that experience informs uh, what I do on stories like Alice and Gerald, which are absolutely not related, of course, as a story, but that experience of seeing and hearing and, and trying to make sense of things, uh, and to, well make, and to make that, yeah, you can write about somebody, but you, the characters, you, you wrote about them in depth, and about like even through letters or whatever they did. I, I'm a big believer in letters. You know, I don't like to write letters myself, but my characters do because I think when people write letters, it, you know, it to me it comes out the truth comes out of how they might really be, or say something Maybe. more truthful uh, than they would. I, I, I think there's something to that. I use I use all the tools that I can possibly use to get somebody yeah. to speak to me. Um, yeah. uh, in this case, I did more than 150 interviews. Uh, I had access wow. to four four decades of investigative reports, wow. and transcripts, and recordings. Uh, and for the past three to four years, I've corresponded with Gerald. Uh, whom I've also met and interviewed. So uh, the the letters were very important. Uh, They they were just not, uh, let's say, uh, a a quick payoff, because especially if you're writing to somebody in prison, you are uh, waiting. But when you're doing it as a character, Uh, yes, but not in prison. You know, and actually I get letters from people in prison that I, mean, I was a, a literary agent in Marcus Bryan Associates, so I get letters in my office all the time. And I, I don't even want to open them. I'm scared to open them sometimes because it says a correctional, you know, in Marion, Illinois or whatever. And it's like I, you know, they want to write books, a lot of them. And that's why they're, that's why they're finding me because, you know, they're, they want an agent, you know, but I don't, I'm afraid always to get, because it is a different, you know, you have to be really, not that I'm not brave, but I'm not, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do something, but you go right in there. That's because I think you were a journalist and I think, and you still are, I mean, but you go right to that. I mean, you're right there in the moment. And so for you, it's Wait. always a plus. Uh, well, yes, writing. but I don't know anything else. I don't know another thing to do. If right. that person is sitting there, whether it's in jail or on the back porch, I have to find my way to him or to her right. and right. ask questions. And best if I can look them in the eye when I'm doing it, because people are exuding clues yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. about their, yeah. but whatever they're saying, 
you're getting clues all of the time. And right. so I can't think of anything. I can't think of another way to do it. I, but you're I looking in their eyes. You're well, looking in their eyes. And usually when you look in the eyes, I, I t- truly believe that if they're lying or something, you can tell they're lying, they're telling you a story, but to them they think it's true or they think maybe you're not going to realize it. But the eyes show everything, well, sure. I think. You know, well, I think, uh, I think what's, help, what's helpful for anybody who deals with an inmate to know is that um, the, the, the worst of them, certainly on the sociopathic end, uh, the killers, the rapists, they're always playing you. They're, 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 they do not know another way. Everything yeah, they do that's their life. is yeah. designed to get yeah. them something that they want. Uh, now, they've, they've spent their life developing this charm, this, yep. this pseudo-intellect, yeah. right. this way right. of talking, this, this sense that you're buddies now. Uh, and they've they've developed that over a whole lifetime. They're very good at it. Yes, they're. Um, yeah. You just have to realize that and build that into the whole equation. Uh, you think talking to your mother-in-law is complex? Uh, try to talk to a <laughs> try to talk to a triple killer in prison. You, you know, it is true. You know, because I'll tell you something. When I've um, was writing screenplays, and I still, and I used to go when my son was little. I used to always go sit at the courthouse, and I used to listen to when he was at school. I would go and I would sit there and listen to cases. They, you know, some were murder, some were not, but they were smaller cases, whatever. And so then, a lot of times, you know, the attorneys would come up and I'd go, "What are you doing?" You know, they 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 do ask you what you're doing there. The judge would motion for today because they don't they want to know if I'm writing what they're saying or if I'm there for an interview with them or if I'm watching them so then they I would say no I'm just here because I really am interested so they go you know and so one of them said to me she goes you can look at them right here and they have a nice little suit on and a tie and they look really okay just when I see them in the jail she goes they don't look like that and they don't and that is when you go to court because when you're looking at these people they look like they're just like anybody but they're not they have a lot going no, on not. that you don't see you know uh, and they, 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 unless you've spent a lot of time around these kinds of people yeah. uh, and i've spent a lot of time but i'm also i also usually engage some uh somebody much much better and more experienced than me to to uh, help me to to advise yeah. me to answer my questions. A, a forensic psychiatrist or a forensic psychologist, a profiler, somebody like that. And I'm telling so you, so interesting. I've spent That's a lot of time around these people, but those those professionals have spent a life around those people. I know. I know. Uh, they know so much more. And they know but I always I always felt that they should take kids there. They should take teenagers there to sit in a courtroom and watch a judge and somebody standing there deciding their life and thinking about you don't ever want to be on the side where the judge, you're looking right at the judge. Because to me, I think kids don't think it could be that bad, and it could be that bad. So they when they involve themselves or they get involved with people that commit crimes – they're going to go to jail, and that's not fun. Sure. Well, uh, that was the point of the, 
well, exactly. They, you would hope um, you'll remember the old, um, uh, I think it started off as a movie and then became a TV series of, or several, in several permutations called Scared Straight. Where yeah, 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 yeah. In, kids, kids who are in trouble are sent into the prison where they spend a day with, you know, some bad guys or bad yeah. women. And they should. Uh, yeah. And and it's it was frightening. I never it saw is. any details about whether that really worked or not. But well, probably not that and much because they never saw it again. You know, they never really showed it. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, the, right. you saw or, the thing about like Orange is Black when that series is out, that series, the thing that I noticed and which you noticed probably too with uh, dealing like this, you know, a lot of the people could just because they're there, they might not, they don't, they didn't have lawyers that could help them and they may have committed such a small crime and they're there forever. I mean, and it's, that's the sad part is if you don't have money or you don't get good representation, you're there. And whether you're and and now they're starting to do programs where they're trying to get people out, which I definitely think some of these people are there for crimes that they actually didn't commit, or they're less crimes than people that that should be there for all these years. You know that that's part right, of the system. You're absolutely right about that, and, and we should not quit trying to get the wrongfully no, right. convicted out of prison. They are not as many as you might think, and particularly yeah. in the age of DNA, uh, yeah, where DNA is is zeroing in more on yeah. on the higher end crimes. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, it's zeroing in more on a person's guilt. So we we have a little bit less of the wrongful convicting going on, but um, no, in every in every case. Uh, uh, we shouldn't tolerate wrongfully convicted people staying in prison. That's just not who we are. What I got from a lot of your interviews and, you know, reading your book, I think you're very serious when you're writing, but I also think you probably like to have a good time. I could feel that, that you are a person that does believe people should have fun and not always be so serious, kind of. I mean, because life is short, you know, and I think that's a problem for people. They don't know. I mean, you're a writer, but you, it seems like you have another outside part of yourself, but you put most of your time, I would assume, in your books because they're well, detailed. Uh, they're it's, detailed. It's a profession. Yeah, but well, you enjoy no, your writing I'm, is what I, I really – but it seems like I you're do. enjoying your writing. Not everybody does. They I, just I, seem I, to absolutely. write. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, too few people consider it – a job. I spend at least forty hours a week doing yeah. writing. Um, yeah. I uh, I do a lot of research. I I think that's the. I was once told that that if you snapped a photograph, this is back in the day of film, that if you snapped a photograph, uh, but ultimately that negative wasn't good, then the picture couldn't be good. Yeah. And I I yeah. believe that's true of writing. Yeah. I I could come up with a great idea for a book, but if I don't go do good high quality research and know more about this case than in my case in true crime, if I don't yes. know more about this case than probably anybody else 
then I haven't done my job. Right. I, because this I'll is your you, job. Sub- right, yeah. This is it. Yes, exactly. I'll tell you, I subscribe to this kind of uh, iceberg theory of journalistic storytelling. You, you might only see 10% of what what's there or what I'd like to tell you. Because a book has its limitations. We only have right. so many words to, to, at our disposal. Uh, but if I've done my work, you get a sense that it's genuine and it's true because yeah. it feels like there's so much more beneath the surface. You know, everything there supports everything you see. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's I because of your I background. I actually think that's definitely because of your background. Because so, how, because for a person, all right, you're a good writer, but how long does it take you to write a book? Well, it's different in every case. It depends. In this particular case, I yeah, I researched one. for uh, about eight months on Alice mm-hmm. and Gerald. I I yeah. researched uh, the writing itself. It was my fastest. My fastest ever book really? uh, to to draft, uh, and it took me five months. Normally, it would take me between six months and a year to write that book. But in this particular case, whatever it was, uh, I I I got it together in about five months, and um, uh, it was. I a lot of that is. Uh, the research. I mean, if you've done that research that I described, then you know what comes next. Yeah, right. But there's a, you know, there's another thing. There's another thing about this that that influenced how I told the story and how quickly I was able to write it down. And, And that's an understanding of what a story is. Um, and what it has always been since since people gathered around, well, pre-people, uh, cavemen, Neanderthals, whatever, since, <laughs> since they started gathering around campfires and, and communicating with each other and telling stories to today, uh, the stories that stick are, are stories that follow a kind of... Uh, uh, consistent rhythm, and yes. and they they hit certain things, and I can I can show you where uh, Star Wars and The Wizard of Oz and uh, the Game of Thrones are all the same story, and we yeah. we have to rise to about thirty five thousand feet when we see that, <laughs> right, but yeah. it's there. See, but I, you know, I do like a story, but like that goes straight through. Now, in your stories, they do, and I, this is a couple of questions I wrote down because I think people might want to know because I think this is, we don't ever talk about this enough. When, when is the chapter for you over? I think I was talking to Fran the other day, and I said to her, Fran Lewis, and I said to her, you know, I said I want to, I, I really would like to know the opinions for of authors of where where they know the end is. Okay, because like I think a lot of writers, certainly new writers, they go like, well, where's the end? What will I, you know, what does this chapter lead to? And when do I know, make it an end? You know, and I like the way you have it because you have your chapters labeled uh, and they have titles. I I actually like that a lot in writing. Well, thank you. Rather than just chapter one, chapter two, you know, I like that. 
and we we sometimes are constrained by what a publisher wants. Sometimes right. the editor exactly. in the house has a preference. But um, how do you know? Because um, sometimes I'm my editor will say to me, he's, like he'll say to me, "Do you want to go on, or do you want you know?" Because he asks me questions usually sometimes at that point. You know, is that it? For there, do you have anything more that you want to add? Because he's meaning, yeah, I probably do. So, so you know, yeah. when he asks a question, well, we because, always have more. Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so, all right. So, we what was your? Yeah, how do you feel about well, that? Well, I, 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 I'm going to back up a little bit. Okay. To me, it's not the chapter. The chapter isn't the, the necessarily how I see the book when I'm imagining it. I okay. see. Uh, uh, I see a, a glimpse of of life in three chap in three acts, and that mm-hmm. that the first act, which is generally you know this is a screenwriter's trick actually, that the I know. first That's, act yeah. is a is about twenty five percent of my story, the second act is going to be about the middle half of the story, and then of course the third act is about the last quarter of the story. So I, I tend to imagine whatever story I'm writing in, in those three acts. And um, when, when that first act is, is kind of the point of no return is the ending of it. So yeah. if I look at the first, say, three chapters, uh, a lot of that is is basic background, and then there there comes that point of no return, and that tends to be about the end of that third chapter. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think that that's part of it, but uh, you know, you know. I, I mean, get that. Exa- I, I understand at- it because you know what? Because I do believe that. Because when I was when I do screenplays, if I can get to twenty five and I like till page 25, then I know I have a story. If I do not like what I've done in those 25 pages for a script, I have no story. Because if I didn't get where I need to go there, then it's never happening. And they won't, it's just not right for me. So then I have to move on and either change the beginning because it doesn't start there. Because, you know, th- those are questions that authors have. And I think some of the books that I read now, because people are trying to, I keep talking about this every show lately because, I feel like people are just rushing through and getting that book done and not doing what they need to do so to get involved with the characters and the story. They're so worried about the first page being the best page in the world that they miss everything else. I think you know, you're right. I, I, yeah. uh, I think that's where we are. I think um, yeah. certainly that in, is true where crime, we are. I, <laughs> I, in true crime, I tend to see it breaking down. The market breaks down. The, the great bulk of the market is what I call the supermarket true crime, the stuff you see in the checkout lines. And, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it, no. but it's Mm-mm. formulaic. It's, yeah. It follows a fairly predictable structure, uh, and it, that's what people want, um, the, the bulk of people. But then there's yeah. the, the more literary, the, the, the things that are closer right. to Truman Capote and James Elroy – that that that's where I want to be. I want to tell the bigger story, and um, and you do, and you do. Let, and well, yeah. Let me let me just start by saying that that the secret of my success as a writer has always been 
that I never pick a story that I can screw up. Okay. Allison Gerald that's struck good, that's me. Good, as, that's good advice. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, and it serves me well. Um, Allison Gerald struck me as that kind of story. Uh, here was this very, very human, very gritty story, but it's about universal stuff like yeah, love and murder and persistence and devotion. And so guns and guns and else. guns and guns. And guns and, and corpses and things like that. Yeah. But uh, you know what I say? I, I also saw Alice and Gerald as, um, as something deeper. And you can, for that, you can blame Shakespeare. Yeah. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, Shakespeare <laughs> yeah. echoes in our modern culture in so many ways, in our psychology, in our criminology, our politics, our business, he's there. And we've yeah. adopted those archetypes. I mean, think about Romeo as the yeah. symbol of all-consuming romance. Yeah. Think about I think, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, because it those is. are long. Though, no matter what year you were born, what year you're in, it's still – Relevates to it could be now, you know, exactly. anytime. Yeah. And yeah. And in Alice and Gerald, I saw Macbeth. Yeah. I saw, I saw Lady Macbeth, who's, <laughs> who's oh, a narcissistic sociopath, who who's who's got this sort of uh, compulsive ambition and this need to control everything around her at any cost, yeah. even. By murder, is that yeah. not Lady yeah. Macbeth? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, because I think a lot of times, times people don't have main characters that are females that do that. You know, they always no, they choose don't. the male. But there's plenty of women that can be pretty nasty and not too good. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the and way it is. I, I, it is the way it is, and in particularly in this story, I just saw yeah. very early on that my very real Alice was Lady Macbeth. And uh, I also saw Gerald, who who really saw himself as John Wayne, you know, this yeah. Yeah. cunning, well, yeah. powerful, heroic guy, even though yeah. he's really just a, a Midwestern doofus. Yeah. Um, but he is so desperate for this, this relationship to work that he'll yeah. do anything. Uh, and he does. And I think the characters in the book, even though this is a true story, this could this could relevate to so many you know characters that people write. I mean, these are the characteristics. You know, a lot of times people don't realize that writers actually get their characters from everything around them and everything they read, and that's how we make up the characters. They don't just fall from the sky and there's a character, but they they have certain traits. And if you have a good character or in your case it was real person they have a lot of traits that you need to get out because there's usually a reason why people are the way they are it's not just that they are that way but there's things that get them to the place of no return let's just say you know that they're there and and you you we were talking about a little bit earlier that Life experience is important yeah. because it yeah. introduces you to those people. And I said, you know, I worked with these people. I lived in places like they lived in. Um, 
So I got a sense of who they were and what motivated them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not with these particular people, but I had a sense of it. And uh, I think that that, uh, that life experience that we were talking about is so important. So if, if in the modern era, the goal uh, is to stay as close to a place to plug in your iPhone or your iPad, um, then you're not going out there and having those experiences. You're not going to the Middle East and, and, and rubbing up against people that you're afraid of and that are afraid of you. Uh, You're not, uh, you're not doing the things you need to do to to recognize some of these characteristics uh, and to 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 sort of dig deeper. Uh, you have to get out of your circle of where you are. You have to where you you can if you stay in your circle of where you are with your friends and your life, then you can't write because if you don't talk to people like I, you know, I talk to people everywhere because I am interested. I'm totally interested in their life. I really am, and uh, I think a good writer should be because I, it's different stories. If you have best friends or friends for fifty, uh, twenty-five, thirty years, and you're just in that group, you don't know anything else about anybody else. You only know what that group does. But not what about everybody and else in this world? I know your listeners aren't this. They are scintillating, interesting people. But the fact is, most of us in our daily lives are boring. So if you write what you know from your boring life, it's going to be boring. Um, so you no, I agree. I, I think that's really true. And from you know, like when you're on shows like this, and when you have the good thing about the media of like internet radio podcasting, I have met people I never would have met ever. Okay, in my whole life, and I that's what I love about doing the shows because they're not exactly like me. I'm from Chicago. They're from all over the UK, whatever Israel, Britain, whatever wherever they come from. I am meeting them, New York, L.A., you know, and so we think differently. And I do think writers sometimes, they do write different stories depending on where they're from. And I just think it's inbred in us, some of it. That's why you're comfortable in this style, because you could do this story, but maybe somebody else could never have done the story. They just wouldn't get it. Uh, That's part of what I mean when I say I don't pick yeah. stories that I can screw up. Right, I right. need to, I need I to be a great, pretty, I think it's uh, a great message. Well, I, 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 I'm the part of my calculus is yep. what can I do? What can I bring to this story? And, and yeah. in Alice and Gerald, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see an ordinary tale of murder. I, I saw this chance to write about a time and a place that I knew like the back of my yeah. hand. I saw a chance to tell that Shakespearean story. Uh, yeah. I saw a story that, that reflected the dark side of a lot of people. Yeah. But it and there is, and there is a, and a lot of people do of have a dark side. They do. There's nothing you can do. do about it, but they do. They do. But this book is also populated by people who have a, 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 a goodness and a common faith. Um, uh, I, it's a very complex book, but the moral center of this book is, is Claire Martin, that grandmother.
grandmother who right. just doesn't give up. She just doesn't quit over 40 years. Yeah. Even well, I think that, that's, that's showing of, grandma, grandmother love. I mean, they say it, and there you go. I mean, you showed that. Yeah. You did. She was dogged, and, and the times when this case occasionally went cold um, several times over those yeah. 40 years, she was the one that kept it moving, kept it alive. And yeah. I guess I want to think that there will be people out there. If something happened to me or a loved one of mine, yeah. I would hope that there's somebody out there like these detectives, this yeah. this 40 years. I think there are. I, I do think there are people like that out there. We just don't hear about them a lot. But I do think so, that, you know, that take these cold cases and then they find them. You know, all of a sudden you'll hear something 20 years later, they found something, or 10 years later, because, you know, they just don't give up, you know. And, um, no, and I, that's a good thing. But they're rare. They're rare. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. That's the that's the uh, the reality of it. Um, a cold case. We we have a lot of cold cases out there, um, and part of the reason is because our police agencies are are usually understaffed. They're usually yeah. underfunded. Yeah. Um, so something happens and they can't solve it quickly. Uh, it, it sort of gets pushed to the back corner of the desk uh, or they solve, solve it in the wrong cases. way or they solve it in the wrong way put the wrong person away sure. and then they're done you know and that's not good exactly either. that can happen too and yeah. so yeah. a lot of things can go wrong um, so we end up with a lot of these cold cases and and it, it really takes uh, people like I describe in this book the the yeah. these 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 detectives who are borderline of Obsessed with with this, with solving this case, with bringing justice, with with giving somebody somewhere some comfort. Uh, So uh, they're all they're all part of this. I think they're here. I think there's a great sense of satisfaction when somebody can solve a cold case, because there's usually one or two people in the family that their life can go on. Either way, if the news is bad or good, at least they know that they can feel like it's finished. Because if they don't have that, then they can't com- they can't really live their life until they really know the end of what happened to the person that they loved. So I think that if there are right. people out there that do that, it really is comforting to the family, or you know, that to know some to know that they've come to the end, no matter how long, because they want that. They have to have that. You know, in order for them to go on, you know, so I think that, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. You know, and I think in a book like yours, you know, um, which I I think, you know, it it's so well done because you you want to keep reading it, and you know, you know, similar well what's going on in it right away. I mean, you know what's happening, but I think that we don't read enough of those to understand. You know, because I myself, you get so involved in TV, and I'm, you know, I'm was an avid reader, and and I, Fran said it on the show. She says, "Oh, Marsha wants to read your book." <laughs> she says, "Yay!" Because Fran reads a million. She loves a million, and I'm always watching TV because I I love movies. But, you know, there is something about reading a book 
that really, and I've heard people now are, you know, I do like audiobooks. I love them. But yours is coming out soon, I think, in an audio. I checked it out. It's not yet in an audio, right? It's going to be. Yeah, the audio yeah. is, uh, the, the publisher moved, the, the, public, the, the publication date was supposed to be in July. The publisher moved it up three months, which left yeah. the audio publisher audio, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. holding the bag. But, but we should have the audio version certainly before the um, middle of summer. But I do think the trend is, because from some of the guests I've been having on my shows, they're talking about people actually want to hold the book. And, you know, the one thing that I feel like by getting the book, which is I was holding it and reading it, because if I put it in my little file for Kindle books or whatever on my reader, I, I sometimes don't end up reading it. So, And I think that's what happens sometimes. But when you actually you have a book in your hand and you put it on the counter, you go, I'm reading this book, and there it is. You know what I mean? Rather than saying, like, oh, fine. And then once you get on your Kindle, your read, whatever, computer, you start doing other things, which we are now, you know, so used to doing social media that we forget that there's another life of what we did before. Because we do, this and is, it's, it's a lot, of, it's a lot I, to do social media. We're we're distracted by a million things. I I yes. think that, um, but you know what? Uh, the newspaper business, which which I did for it seems like my whole life. Um, a friend of mine and I started our seventh grade newspaper, our oh, wow. junior <laughs> high school newspaper, uh, and I don't think my byline has not appeared every month since then. At least oh, wow. every month. Um, I, I think I, I so I'm I'm a big fan of the paper paper. However, most papers are moving toward an online presence and away from the paper paper. Um, yeah. But here's the thing: um, I'd imagine they had the same the same angst when when we went from carving things in stone to papyrus. <laughs> Uh, I think I think it's not the platform that matters. It's the words. It's the yeah, story that's the, being told. It is the words. If, right. if if I engage you, you'll have a harder time um, filing it away in the bottom of your Kindle reader. Um, right, because I've been adding I've been adding a hashtag storytelling because uh, I think that that's really the word of what we do. We are telling a story, and I think it's not just like audibles, books, bookstagram, whatever we're putting out there, but we are telling stories, you know. I mean, the name of my show really is a good story. It's a good story. That's what it started as 10 years ago, and I use my Michigan Avenue Media, but that is because a good story is always a good story, no matter if you read the story 30 years ago or you read it today or you watch a movie, it's a good story, but I think that's what you need is a good story. It's really important well, to make sure that it's do. good. You absolutely do. But what's interesting about that is that our literature over the years has been less story-oriented. Yeah. Um, let me give you an example. If, if you put your child to bed at night or your grandchild to bed at night and and he or she says, Read me a story. Mm-hmm. You don't pick up the newspaper and read the the, the Chicago 
city council <laughs> minutes. Right. Well, no, I don't think so. Uh, Not here. You, you don't want you, that here. You tell uh, Cinderella or you tell the Polar Express, you tell one of those kinds of stories because some, it, it has a character we care about. Something yeah. happens to that character, and and then something then it ends, and the ending has a meaning. Uh, so, I think that that we we've lost some of that storytelling. And when you talk about storytelling, I think of those two things. Yeah. I think of yeah. people who just go and get the court transcripts and reprint them are not and telling the right. story. No. No, that isn't the, no, and and the way you do it, well, that's you're engaging because that's because you, but your journalism and you know your the way you tell a story is in the book. You know, it's both intertwined. It's not you know, because you're not bored ever because you're just well, moving exactly. on, and you're not putting in things that aren't necessary. You're putting in things you need to know of things that had happened before to make the people the way they are. Because, like I said before, we are what happened in our life sometimes. It's what's our traits. You know, when, when people are making up characters, they find traits. And then that's why you can't write, like, I don't write, a, I don't write an outline because I can't. Because I learn about my characters as I'm going. And then I go, oh, no, she's not going to do that. He won't do this. And and they, if my characters don't talk to me while I'm driving or something to tell me something, then I know that I shouldn't be doing the story because they're not going to be real to me to write about. Because they, they're different sure. than I am. But, you know, which is hard for writers to start at the beginning, wouldn't you say? I mean, you do true crime, so it's, you know, it's it's real. Okay, but if you're making up characters, you have to think about them a little. Not write it in an outline to make them do it. Because you can't, you know, you know as an author, you can't make people do anything. <laughs> they just do it. Well, and as a true crime author, you can't make them do anything. They, they did it. They've done it already. It. But <laughs> They've done it. To- I, I've added, I've added a, a degree of difficulty here. And, and that is not only am I writing a true story like a journalist, as a journalist, um, but I'm blending some of the tools that I learned early in my book writing career about writing fiction and yeah. things like foreshadowing and and cliffhanging and and dialogue and characterization and things like that. Um, and that goes in, again, another thing that goes into my calculus. I'm looking for stories that reflect something about all of us. Uh, and yeah. I want to examine what we're capable of doing. And I want those stories where I can go below the surface. I'm a narrative yeah. nonfiction writer. And, and narrative yeah. nonfiction is the blending of, of fictional technique with telling an absolutely true story. And so I think that's what's compelling about Alice and Gerald is that it's told in a different rhythm than your ordinary true crime story, which is, again, formulaic. Right. You know, and, you know, the thing about it is when you're writing a true story, it is the way it is. Like when I've written a, a memoir and a Holocaust survivor, and when people write a review and they go, they don't like what this person did, they should have done it differently. I'm thinking, well, no, they can't do it differently. This is the story that she told me. It's not my story. I didn't make it up. And I, everything, like you said, everything is the truth. Of I think it was I was listening to you when you were on that 
YouTube, it's it, when you're telling the truth, it is what it is. You can't make it better for people or, you know, make it where it didn't happen. It did happen. So, you know, that's the difference. If you're writing fiction, yeah, someone can say, I don't like what you did with the character. But if you're writing a true story, this is what happened. <laughs> that's the way it is. What can you do? It's right. not you're, saying that you approve constrained. of everything. You didn't approve of what they did. You just followed it to do your story. You know, you're absolutely right about that. You're constrained by the facts, and I'm comfortable with that. But what I know, too, is that a a story follows those rhythms that we were talking about. And so I'm looking for those. You know, the people you talk to aren't aware of storytelling theory. They're not aware of story models. They they know what they know. You have to go... And, and kind of ask questions to elicit the, those things that make it a story, that give right. it that quality. And so that's, that's what I've done. I, I mean, Alice and Gerald is just a vivid, gritty story that doesn't follow the usual predictable beats. Um, no. And uh, it's deeper, and that's what I wanted to do. Well, that's why you chose uh, to do it because a, you liked what you were it, you you wanted to tell the story for whatever the reason was you found it a story that you could do. And I wanted the challenge. Yeah. I wanted the challenge of yeah. telling that story. And you know, all writing is a little bit of a risk. Uh, yes, it's it a is. lot of practice yeah. and yeah. a little bit of risk. You're always taking a risk. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm always looking for stories that are going to let me take the risk of doing it better or doing it differently uh, or telling, using words that, that people don't use to, to tell something that only those words can describe. And I, I, I want to take those risks and that's part of what, why I I think I think also it's because of life. your journalistic ba- your background because also you were in countries where we don't go to you know and you were reporting and you were just talking about 9/11 you were involved in stories that you know they really do matter and it's important that you get the facts right so I think that is definitely how you can write a credible story like this because you know how to do that you're not going to change something that someone will say, well, what did you do that for? That really wasn't the way it was because you know how to do that, but not everybody does. And journalists, no, not everybody I think, does. You're, you, right, because you, and when you're writing a newspaper story, you're not fooling around. You, you know, in the days when people read a newspaper, you know, they, and they still should, there's still a lot of people that do read them, you know, and I'm, unfortunately I had a couple of characters I have to change. I, I have a screenplay. I had to change the whole thing to change the tone of it because it was about a newspaper and they, you know, it's over now. If I was, you know, I've changed it because people don't want to hear <laughs> yeah. about that. You know, and so you want to make it relevant for now. So you got to change things. But then again, you know, they, there are a lot of period pieces that people are doing now. That yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's good. Those are all details that a good yeah. writer confronts and and deals yes. with and. Uh, it's it, it, there are reasons you'd want to do it. There are reasons you wouldn't want to do it. I don't. I don't care. We yeah. simply. <laughs> we simply confront. It's like writing true crime. Right. It, you know what? It's like fighting a battle. If yeah. if the places where these two armies come together 
happens to have a mountain in the middle of it, they can't say, oh, hey, listen, let's just move and get up there, <laughs> get over there where the mountain is. Yeah, right. You mm-hmm. fight you fight where the mountain is and it's the same yeah. thing in writing you are sometimes confronted with obstacles that you have to overcome you you can't simply say oh well listen i'll do you know i'll just erase that yeah. uh, if you're writing <laughs> if you're writing nonfiction, you yeah, can't so. erase you can't. It's and that's the way it is. And if someone doesn't like it, it's what happened, you know. And so when the when this woman wrote a review, I'm thinking like, well, what am I supposed to say? You know, this my story happened to be from the woman direct. I went to her house every afternoon for a couple hours, and she it's the exact way she told it to me, and it's the exact way she said it when she was at the Holocaust Museum. So how could I change something like that to make it fit? No, I wasn't there. She was. You know, and she just right. passed away last year. But the fact is, those are her words. It's told. She didn't write the story at all. I wrote the entire story, and I was, when I started to write it, I was even, I was afraid to ask her if I didn't know, and I knew her, but I didn't know if she could read. I didn't know because sometimes they didn't finish school, and so I, I read it to her, the entire story before, because she had, she had to be the one to like it, and she loved it, and I was happy with that, but. I I didn't want to ask her, you know, I didn't want to embarrass her that maybe she couldn't read because I did it all. She didn't do it, but no, she just didn't want to do anything about it, but that was okay, so I did it, but I didn't want to say, can you read and write, and she could, but she just liked it when I did it. I went, okay, fine. I said, okay, I'll do it then, you know. Let me offer you and your listeners a little advice. Um, There are no dumb questions, and you have to ask. Right, exactly. Uh, in, yeah, in I Alice know that's and true. Gerald, I I ask, did they have sex the night after he dumped uh, these decaying yeah. bodies and then came home? Uh, I, I and guess what? He answered. <laughs> what he didn't he didn't blow me off. He didn't storm out. Right. He answered. Uh, ask the questions. And, yeah, and I do, right, and that's true, and that, you're right about that, you're absolutely right, and if I would ever do a book again, and you know, it was all right, because she was happy with it, and it was the way it was, but it wasn't the way I would have written the story, but it was, the story was as told by Sailor Lewis, and that was her story, but no, I felt there were things afterwards that I could have done, and I should have done, but that was her story, and she was happy with it, but you're right, if I had done it again, no, I would ask questions, because I think it's, you're right, it's very important to get to know the person more, you know, and, but even though I thought I knew her, which I think I do, and I still think I know her better than her kids knew her, because she did say some stuff we didn't put in naturally, but, you know, when you are writing the truth, you, you should ask, you're absolutely right, thank you for that, you're right to tell people that, because if that's, if you want to do a good story, you have to really ask questions, you know, I mean, I, you, you said it yourself just, just now, uh, you might do it differently next time. You, you learn from that. Yes. And yeah. that's where the practice comes in. That's where uh, all the times you put your butt in the chair to yeah. write something pay off. And uh, Malcolm. Which is why I do, which is actually that, why I do the show, because even though I've been doing this 20 years, I still learn. And so I think that by having authors like you on, that 
and you know, and you're talking about your story, but we're all writers, or you know, and it's always good to hear how someone else does it because then you feel like, oh, okay, and that you understand when another author's talking to you rather than just a friend talking to you. They don't know what you know. Our friends, you know, they mean well, but they're not writers. So we all have a lot of issues that we like to discuss and that's one of the reasons I love doing the shows and you I mean it's been great having you on and I so hope that you'll come on again just to talk about like things like this because I think my audiences they like to hear this because it's all it's about writing anything if you're writing a story it doesn't matter short story whatever you're writing it's still there's basic rules and principles that you need to know how to write and you do get better if you keep going on I agree with you totally on that yeah, it's you know that's what it is. But yes, this has been a marvelous hour. I've, I've yes, thank it. you so much. I, I I've learned a lot, and I've got all these notes. But you answer, you know, and I really think your book, Alice and Gerard, Gerald, well, I say with Gerard. I'm thinking of a character. I'm thinking of Gerard that we always have on a show, and I never know his <laughs> last name. I don't know his. I, I love him. He's been on my show, and I can never say his name, his last name, and he knows this. Fran has him on. I go, Fran. <laughs> keep saying his name, you know, but uh, this is a really good book, and I think certainly if you're going to write true crime, this is definitely a good book to read because you will see so many techniques in here that are they're really good. I mean, it's like a learning process when you're reading this because it just follows straight through, and the dialogue and the description, it's not too much of anything, you know, and so I think, and that's a good thing. So I, I wish you luck on the book, and I'm going to get the audio and Thanks. listen to that. And I hope you will come on again. And also, he has so many other books, and you just if you just put in his name, and I actually have his um, you know website right on the info page, but you want to tell everybody where they can find your um, books, which you did at the beginning, and your website. You have a good website, too. Uh, certainly. My, uh, my website is ronfrancell.com that's f-r-a-n-s-c-e-l-l um, and my books are available everywhere they sell books in your local bookstores please buy local if you can um, but amazon or barnesandnoble.com everywhere every any place they sell books yeah, that's good. See, I, I did a, I, I think I'm going to change back. I, I put my books on the KDP Select, which I shouldn't have, because I, I, I took myself off of everything else, you know, which uh, was never a good, I, I don't know if it's good or not. It's hard, it's hard to tell what's good or not. I do think when you go out and do book signings and go to bookstores, you learn a lot, and I'm going to start doing that again, because I think that's really a good way to meet people that have read your book or want to read your things. I think that that's um important for authors to know to get out there a little and you're out this there a lot I, you know yeah and, and you're on podcasts a lot yeah and if you look up you know if you look if you look up all the youtubes you've been on you know and that mystery i i will have to talk to i, I might want to have see if i can get him on my show he's so interesting the way you know he did his interview and the house of mystery so that was a good one yeah alan that, warren you know, is uh is one his, of the best yeah. Yeah, he was so good. I mean, and I think that's the other thing. We're so busy doing other things, we don't realize what we're missing out there. Because sometimes we are missing things. We get so busy that we're used to Facebook and Twitter, we're not looking at other things that we should, that are so much more interesting. Well, you're right. And we're we're sitting in our rooms, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. That's not why. 
Not really. I agree with uh, you. If you want to I'm, write a book about uh, Facebook, great. Uh, you're doing all <laughs> kinds of research, but you're not. Uh, I know. I, I myself, I made my. I, I really made a promise to myself. I, I'm going to be writing more, and I can't. It, it's just too much already. It, and it doesn't. It doesn't get. You don't. You don't get anywhere. It's not like you're. It's just. It's a day after day thing that becomes. You know. Uh, it's like you're addicted to it. Which isn't a good addiction. Well, no addiction is, and that one. Uh, no, it's really it, it, not. it is an addiction. I, I think it it literally is a physical addiction. I think it it pours certain chemicals into your brain that 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 not are good. literally addictive. Yeah, and, not good either. Uh, I do. Not I think good. you it, do have to separate yourself from that, and you do yeah. have to force yourself into situations. Actually, before social media. We humans weren't didn't tend to insert themselves in situations. Certainly not to go to war, uh, to yeah. have, to be a war correspondent, or to ride out a hurricane, yeah. or any of the things that I've done. And there have been a lot of people doing a lot more than I have. We don't do that naturally, but that's life. That's how you bring to your writing and your storytelling, some of those things that not everybody else has experienced. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for right. something outside of their experience. Right. And so I think I do agree with you on that because I do think it's not, it, it, it could be, you know, to be a good writer doesn't mean you have to be on Facebook and Twitter and to be on Instagram every minute. So I think, you know, you spend so much time doing that, you can work on your characters a little, and it doesn't have to. You can just be thinking or listening to other people's books or audios to get. I do believe audios is a good way to listen because you really hear styles of writing. Very, I, I love it, you know. And I think it's great for people that don't want to read, you know. And reading is good, but if you don't want to, there's another. There's something alternative to doing, you know, to not hearing the story. You know, just sure. saying I don't read. And like I know. said. Uh, stone to papyrus. I don't care. Whatever your yep. platform is, just just consume the story. That's what yes, I want I, you to do. That as a as a writer, I just want you to. I just want to touch you. I just want to move you with my story. And well, I, I think you do. And then you, certainly when you, you when it. you're reading a book, and then you want to all you go and look. You try. Then I, when I was reading it, then I found myself like I said, going and looking at Wyoming. I think you've done a job that needs to be done because now I know a little bit more about Wyoming than I ever knew at all. So you're right about that. <laughs> I, you know, but I think that's good because that was, that meant you got people, you're, I'm sure I'm not the only one that is interested to know a little bit more about Wyoming because there's not that books aren't set that much in Wyoming. So you set your books in other places, but it is an unusual place when you look at it and you can see how your book relates to that area when you start well, looking sure. at open we, space writers, <laughs> that open space let's face it it's not chicago well, for, <laughs> you know so for fiction writers uh the setting is important and you're you're looking to invent a setting yeah. that's engaging too yeah. um doesn't matter if it's wyoming or it's uh la or right. it's new york or it's yeah. bali bali uh right. it doesn't matter um, you're just looking for an interesting place to set your story. And in this yeah. particular case, completely true story, 
uh, it happens to to be in a place that has its own unique interest. It does. <laughs> it definitely does. All right. Thank you again, and thank you to everybody listening. Thank and you. I appreciate you so much for coming on, and good luck with the book. It's going to do, I'm sure, really oh, Marcia, great. Especially that's very kind. It's, it's good. It's a good book. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.